Hey, we're glad you're with us here online, Summer at Freeway Church. Uh, welcome to our podcast. If you'd like to connect with us, we're always available via text or contact us uh, right online. You can find all the information here. So uh, glad you're with us and enjoy the message. Uh, welcome, everyone. Again, glad you're here today. Today we're having, we have a sermon about uh, freedom because it, 4th of July is tomorrow. The question is, where does freedom come from? Where does freedom come from? I think it's a good question to ask. I think it's not a good question to ask for our personal lives. Where does freedom come from in our lives? Where does freedom come from in the world that we're in, right? Uh, it is, what is the year, 2022? It's for thousands of years the world has gone and lived and circled the sun, right? And we find ourselves here in the United States of America celebrating the freedom, the independence on Independence Day, which is tomorrow. And so I thought it, 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 was, it was important to talk about. We, had, we celebrated Juneteenth a couple of weeks ago as well. And this month, this kind of season, really is uh, looking at freedom. Uh, the United States, when we became independent from Great Britain, the idea was that we had an opposing force on us and then we decided we didn't want that opposing force. It brought uh, bondage and slavery and remember taxation without representation. You remember history class. There was the Boston Tea Party where they threw all the tea in the harbor. They threw it all in the Boston harbor, right? Like, that's what happened. And then there was the tea and they were like protesting, right? Remember all of that that happened? Um, that was the idea that America was feeling the pressure from an external force, Great Britain, and we decided, we're, you know what, we're going to claim our independence. And we fought the Revolutionary War. If you've ever studied the Revolutionary War, we could have lost at any minute. It was like, the historians say it's like truly a miracle that we actually beat the British. Because we were like a horrible army. They were always messed up. They, were, they had no shoes a lot. It was bad, guys. And they were all following this leader, George Washington, who was a leader of leaders. And uh, it, was, it was truly because of George Washington's leadership that we actually seceded from, from Great Britain and became our own country. And we're free because of it. That's why we celebrate the 4th of July. And that's why we celebrate our independence as a nation. But it affects us as well. If we were to ask us, each one of us, where does freedom come from? We have external pressures like someone pushing their ideas or beliefs on you, or maybe someone holding you down or keeping you in slavery. Maybe it's a system or a process. There's external factors that cause us to be enslaved. But most of the time today, we need freedom because of our internal pressures that cause us to feel enslaved or in bondage or us feeling like we're somehow in a cage and we want to be free. The reality is most of us are stuck somewhere in our life. It could be because of something that happened in the past or something that we've gone through or something like that, but, or a relationship in our lives. Maybe even our relationship with God has, has come to a point where it is stuck and we need freedom. Where does freedom come from? I would like uh, all of us to feel free in our lives. Amen? Like we, we should feel free. And that's what we're talking about today. How do I actually become free? Have you ever heard the phrase, hurt people, hurt people? Hurt people, hurt people. We use the phrase to describe bullying. It's like, why does that, with kids especially, why does that bully so mean to me at school? Well, if you knew, the reason that person's mean is because they might have a rough past or they might have a rough family. Hurt people, 
hurt people. Well, it's also true that freed people free people. Freed people free people. And that's what we're talking about today. My name is Roy. I get to be the pastor here at Freeway Church. So thankful that you are with us today. It's fun to be part of a church that's alive and that we're doing stuff and that it feels like home and it feels like stuff's going on in our life. We just, like Jay talked about, we had to slip inside. I figure the slip inside with the kids would last, I don't know, 15 minutes. Four hours later, they're still going down the slip and slide. Four, seriously, it's not nonstop. They took, a, they took a pause just to throw water balloons at me, but then back to the slip and slide. Uh, it was so fun, and I'm just so thankful to be part of a church where people's uh, lives are being changed and we're, we're active and alive, and it's, and it's a great thing. Today we're talking about freedom, and my first sermon ever, I mean, I, was, um, I, I started here in October, so I'm relatively new. In my first sermon ever, we had a series. If you were here, if you remember, the series was on parables. And the idea was we said the church should feel like blank. And does anyone remember what we should say? Like the church should feel like home. Yes, very good, very good. The church should feel like home. That's what we talked about, because it should. And the Bible talks about this idea that the Father, God, is waiting at his house, and he's like waiting with his arms wide open for all sorts of people to come home. And so the church should feel like home. And so that's like our idea here. And I like to add uh, an anomaly sermon, a sermon that's uh, not part of the series, as we talk about a parable today. And because I believe the church should feel like freedom. The church should feel like freedom. The Bible goes on to explain freedom in lots of different ways. And back then, when the Bible was written, man, uh, slavery and oppression and disease, like everyone was looking for freedom. And a lot of times we're looking for freedom today, but not because of, of an opposing force on your life, but because of an internal force that's caused us to be subdued, caused us to be like pushed down. And so we're going to discuss the parable of the unforgetting debtor, something like that. The unfor, I don't know. It's not in the Bible. It's just the, it's the phrase above it. But it's Matthew 18, uh, 21 through 35. We're going to talk about this parable that Jesus speaks. Jesus gave parables all the time. The idea of a parable was a story that would prove a point. It was like an anecdote or a thing. They weren't true. Jesus made them up. Some parables were actually like uh, uh, tales, like fables that people knew about, and Jesus would twist them together. Um, but this was one that he speaks, and we're going to discuss it today. When he talks about parables, listen carefully. Parables are important because he says that the kingdom of God is like blank, right? He's exploring what the kingdom of God should be like. And so that's where we get the church should be like. If the kingdom of God or the kingdom of heaven is like this, the church ought to be like this. And so that's why it matters. And so the church should feel like freedom. So it says this. Let's read it together. This is Matthew 18, 21 through 35. It says this in 21. Then Peter came to him and asked, Lord, how often should I forgive someone who sins against me? Seven times? No, not seven times, Jesus replied, but 70 times seven. Verse 23, therefore the kingdom of heaven can be compared to a king who decided to bring his accounts up to date with servants who had borrowed money from him. Let's pray really quick. Jesus, thank you so much for your word and so much for learning from you. God, would you come alive in our lives and speak to each and every one of us in a different way. May you have your way in this place. In Jesus' name, amen, amen. And so here we have in scripture this parable 
And uh, I have to tell you that right before this verse, Jesus is telling us how to handle conflict with believers. How many of you know that if you've ever been around another person, there's going to be some conflict? Yes, there's conflict in our lives. And if you don't have conflict in your life, I would suggest you either are always holding back with people or you aren't making any friends, okay? So people bring conflict, but God created us to be in community. So that means that conflict will arise. How do we handle conflict? You know, how do you handle conflict in your life? God calls us, like this year, our theme for our church is called the family room. God's putting together groups of people from all over the area, from all over walk, different walks of life. And it's our job to stitch us together, to become a community, to become a family. How do you even do that when it comes to conflict? Because in our culture today, if you have conflicts with someone, I'll just change jobs. I'll just change churches. I'm going to move. There's so much conflict. I'll just, there's so much conflict. I'm just going to ghost. I'm, I'm done. I'm done with your number. Gone. Blocked. Defriended. Done. I'm gone. Right? We, if we have conflict in our lives, it is easier to just block them to deal with that, than deal with that conflict. It's just, it just is. And so from that moment, from that idea of conflict in our relationship, we get this message. Uh, we get this parable from Jesus. He's exploring with Peter, hey, Peter, this is what it really means to forgive. Uh, back in the day, uh, Jewish people, the, the idea was that you forgive someone three times. That was the idea. So if Abe harmed me, I would forgive him three times. And if he's still not repentant or whatever, I would go on with my life. I'd forgive him three times. So when Peter asks Jesus, should I forgive someone seven times? Peter's like already doubling down. Like he knows that Jesus is about this and he kind of understands. But Jesus even goes further and exponentially multiplies it. No, 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 not three, not seven, but 70 times seven, which is kind of a phrase that means forever, ongoing, continuous, continuous forgiveness. Man, what does it look like in our life to forgive? Let's explore that together. Um, let's read the, the parable here. So it says this in verse 23. Therefore, the kingdom of heaven can be compared to a king who decided to bring his accounts up to date with servants who had borrowed money from him. In the process, one of his debtors was brought in who owed him millions of dollars. Millions of dollars. Of course, the original language, there was no dollars, U.S. dollars. There was talents. One talent was one's a year's wage. So it says 10,000 talents. 10,000 talents. Now, millions of dollars is an, is an accurate um, uh, conversion if talents were silver. We don't know if those talents are silver or gold. So it's not only millions. It could be worth billions of dollars, which is a little bit ridiculous. But that's the Jesus's... Uh, parable. He said, hold him 10,000 talents, millions of dollars. He couldn't pay, so his master ordered that he be sold, along with his wife, his children, and everything he owed to pay the debt. Back then, you could be sold into slavery, specifically if you didn't do what you said you would do. Slavery back in ancient times was a lot different than what you think of slavery. It, it could be more, it could be intense, like burdensome slavery, but most times it was more like a, a corporate job where you had, where you were owed. You had to like put your time in and you lived on the land. Like it was, it was an important thing. And, and this man, he was going to be sold into slavery. He was going to be put down, right? He wanted to be free. He was going to lose it all. But the man fell down before his master and begged him, please be patient with me and I will pay it all. 
Then his master was filled with pity for him and he released him and forgave his debt. So my first point today is that God forgives our debt. God forgives our debt. And do you know what? We're pretty clear, like we're pretty good with God forgiving our debt. But I want you to see like the, the gravity of this parable. The reality is that millions of dollars was forgiven. Could you imagine ever owing someone millions of dollars? That's a lot of money. I think banks are the closest thing we have to that today. Or could you imagine working for someone and you manage their wealth could you, like maybe you manage their, they're a billionaire and they're like, okay, I want you to manage my wealth. Here's my land. Here's my uh, investments. Here's my private jet. Like manage everything, grow it, right? I want you to manage it. And could you imagine in your job managing that billionaire's wealth, losing it all? losing it all, right? I mean, could, uh, you would be more than fired, right? <laughs> like the secret, the secret place. I don't know. Like I imagine it's so bad to be able to lose that much. And so, and so this man loses everything. And the idea of a parable is that God ha is the master, right? And we are the servant or we are the one that loses the money. We are the one that is, that does the bad debt. We are the one in debt. So what is God trying to explain to us? The first thing he's trying to explain is that he forgives your debt. He forgives your debt. You see, if you ever want to be with God in your life, there's a big problem. And for thousands of years, people have tried, where is God and how do I be with him? The problem, of course, is the fact that we have sin in our lives. And I don't mean just our choices, because of course we make choices to hurt people all the time and even hurt ourselves. But even who we are, we miss the mark every day. Sin is part of something that we, each one of us, deal with. And the reality is with that sin, that plague, that thing inside of us, we'll never be able to be with God. We'll never be good enough to be with a purely holy being. And so there's a great divide between God and mankind. And a way to explain that great divide is with debt. We, it's like having an enormous amount of debt, uh, a debt that is like burdensome on our shoulders. If any of you have dealt with like burdensome debt in your life, you know that it just feels like a weight that you can't even breathe out of. It's, but can you imagine that on an enormous scale? The reality is God forgives you. If you're questioning in the room today whether or not uh, you are holy enough to be with God, the answer is no, you're not. Like, even in your bestest, like, you're not holy enough. Like, uh, our Romans small group, we just finished a small group on Romans. Can you give the Romans uh, group a round of applause? Yeah, yeah, come on. Romans group is so good. And we would like trudge through theology, theology together, right? Romans 1 through 7, it was so good. And um, there was this illustration that was talking about, well, what if someone's more holy than you? Or what if someone's like really not holy than you? Like, where are you in a relationship with God? And it talked about this idea that if you lived in Hawaii and you wanted to swim to Japan, would you make it? And the answer is no, you wouldn't make it. And it's like 4,000, almost 4,000 miles. Well, what if you've never swam before? Would you make it? No, you'd make it like into the waves and you're done, right? Well, what if you're an Olympic swimmer? Would you make it? No, you'd make it like 50 miles maybe before you're drowned and done. Either way, whether you're very holy or not holy at all in your life, we're all drowning. 
Okay? Like, that is the reality of the gap between us and God. And so what's so cool is that God, in Jesus, in this story right here, explains that even though there's this giant debt, he forgives you. He forgives you. Even though there's this giant gap, he closes the gap. Like, oh my goodness, praise God. And the, and the cool part about that forgiveness and the cool part of the gospel is that the more we understand the gospel, the more it changes us. You would say that this is like early stage understanding of Jesus. God forgave our sins. But I, can I tell you, it is a, something you learn over and over again. Because one who has been forgiven much forgives much. One who has been freed frees. And the more we understand our forgiveness, the more we are moved to compassion to forgive others. But what happens if we don't? Well, that's the second half of the parable. Here it is. It says this in verse 28. But, that, but when the man left the king, he went to a fellow servant who owed him a few thousand dollars. A few thousand dollars? Millions of dollars, right? Like this is an incredible, right? few thousand dollars. He grabbed him by the throat and demanded instant payment. His fellow servant fell down before him and begged for a little more time. Please be patient with me and I will pay it, he pleaded. But his creditor wouldn't wait. He had the man arrested and put in prison until a debt could be paid in full. When some of the other servants saw this, they were very upset. They went to the king and told him everything that had happened. Then the king called the, in the man he had forgiven and said, You evil servant, I forgave you that tremendous debt because you pleaded with me. Shouldn't you have mercy on your fellow servant just as I had mercy on you? Then the angry king sent the man to prison to be tortured until he had paid his entire debt. That's what my heavenly father will do to you if you refuse to forgive your brothers and sisters from your heart. So my second point is, we are forgiven, but we need to forgive others. Jesus' strong word here, right? If we don't forgive others, we're an evil servant. If we don't forgive others, we're going to have to pay back that entire debt ourselves, his forgiveness. Like, we can't run away from Jesus' strong word that is our job to forgive others. But where in our world are we taught to forgive people nowadays, right? When are you taught to forgive? I mean, we're, you're taught when you're a kid, right? You're taught, hey, uh, like I remember bringing my daughters in front of me because they're like, uh, they're close in age and they like hurt each other all the time. So in the early days, it was wonderful. Three, four years old, it was great. Like one kid would say, okay, Iris, do you forgive Eden? Or do you, do you apologize to Eden? And she would say, uh, I'm sorry, Eden. And I was like, Eden, are you, are you going to forgive Irish? I forgive you. Okay, hug. Oh, like that was like, it was the best. It was so simple. Now it is not simple. Okay. They're only a little older, but now it's like, I'm not saying sorry to her and I'm not forgiving her. Right. It's like this like fierce thing that's going on. She didn't really say sorry. Right. Like that's when we learn forgiveness. But as we grow older, like, isn't it easier to just kind of push it under the rug, you know? Oh, we don't have to deal with that. That's something that happened. I regret it, but it's just never talk about it, never happens, right? Like, like that's what we end up doing. And the problem, of course, is that we find ourselves enslaved in ourselves. Unforgiveness 
there's this quote that says, unforgiveness is like drinking poison, hoping someone else would die. It's like, I'm so mad at you, I'm going to drink poison. Like, it doesn't make any sense. Because the person that it harms is you. The person that unforgiveness harms is you. And so we're found out by Scripture and by our normal life that forgiving people is important. Let's break it down a little bit. We need to learn how to forgive others. We need to learn how to forgive ourselves. And we sometimes need to learn how to forgive God. Forgiving others is the big one because it affects ourselves in so many ways. Uh, there's three ways we can explain this. And this is Alyssa and I um, talked about this a lot this week. We made a podcast for you. If you'd like to learn more about forgiveness, you can find it online. It's, uh, you can search Freeway Church Michigan on your podcast or wherever, and you can learn. Uh, it'll drop on Tuesday, I think. Uh, and we can, you can hear what we, how we describe all of these things. But the first thing is pre-forgiveness. Man, at your best, Christian, <laughs> you should be pre-forgiving people. It means like you're undefendable. You're forgiving people before they even mess you up. The people are going to harm you and you know it and you're cool with it because you've even forgiven them before they mess you up. Like this is like at our best, pre-forgiveness is where we should be. Like you can have pre-forgiveness. Did you know that? You can have pre-forgiveness to one another. Understanding that everybody has faults just like you and people are messed up just like you are. You can have pre-forgiveness. But the reality is most of us need to learn how to forgive people in the moment. We need to forgive people when the little things go the wrong way. When we're offended or something happens, we need to forgive them. And really, when a big thing happens in our life, a big disappointment, we need to learn how to forgive ongoing, right? That Jesus statement, forgive people for 70 times seven, right? You're ongoing, forgive someone. You don't have to, you know this? You don't have to actually tell them that you forgive them. It's something that you're dealing with in your life. And yeah, maybe some of you need to talk with someone who's hurt you in the past and, and tell them you forgive them. But really, forgiveness is a matter of prayer. It changes the way you think. It's a matter of choice, choosing to forgive. And it's a matter of habit. Can I continually learn to forgive? These types of things is something that we need to grow in as a Christian. As a Christ follower, it's not something that I can just say, here's a package of forgiveness, now go forgive everyone, right? It's like a muscle. You have to develop it in your life. And the more you develop forgiveness, the more, one, you recognize how much everybody else in yourself is hurting you, and two, the better you are at forgiving other people. If you struggle to forgive others, it's a strong point or realization in your life that you probably have trouble forgiving yourself. Because we not only have to learn how to forgive others, we have to learn how to forgive ourselves. I can look back into my own life and see time after time situations where I'm mad at how I acted. I'm mad at how I treated myself. I'm mad at how I dealt with, talked to Alyssa. And, and I go back to Alyssa and say, Alyssa, I'm sorry for doing this. She's like, what are you even talking about, right? She's like, I never took offense to that. I never got mad, but I need to forgive myself. Like some of us in the room today, we need to learn how to forgive ourselves. You have the more, <laughs> this is the problem, right? The more this happens in our life, problems where we are regret something in our life, in our, in our mental, in our mental world, we find ourselves trapped by ourselves. The question today that we're talking about is where does freedom come from? 
Freedom comes from an opposing force when it's an external issue, right? In the United States, Great Britain was just, it was an external force. But when it's an internal issue, freedom doesn't come from an external force. Freedom comes through forgiveness. We really ask ourselves how to break free from the molds and the patterns of your brain that causes you to go down these rabbit holes and causes you to believe certain things about yourself and all this. All of it, all of it comes, we need to learn how to forgive ourselves. And as much as I would love to be a psychologist or something, I'm not. I'm just a pastor. Some of us need to go to therapy about this. I'm dead serious. Like, we need to deal with this stuff. It's a worthwhile like investment to invest in your own brain and how you think about yourself. It's worth it because Jesus loves you and he's, he died for you and he, you're worth it to him. You need to be worth it to you. So learning to forgive yourself is a hard thing, but something that we need to learn. We talk about that in our podcast. You can read, you can listen more about it. And of course, my, my last one here is forgiving God, forgiving God. Did you know that a lot of times things happen in our lives? And we just say, God, that's your problem. You did this to me. We do. We do this a lot. And this kind of idea stops us from relating with God. It causes shame and guilt in our life. We say, God, you took my parent from me. God, you caused this cancer to happen. God, you caused this affair to go down. God, where were you when you promised this? God, why did the pandemic break down everything I cared about? God, where, where were you in all of this? And we kind of build up this, uh, this kind of all of these offenses towards God. First of all, there may be some things that you need to, that you need to like talk to God about. But the reality is understanding the problem of evil is that every good thing comes from the Lord. And if it's not good, it probably didn't come from the Lord. Okay, let's just break it down a little bit. Our goodness, okay, we think good is one thing, but God thinks good is something else. If it is good, it is God. If it is not good, it is not God. Very important to understand because sometimes the devil, the evil one, the one that's prowling around like a roaring lion, the Bible says he's out there to steal, kill, and destroy your life. This one, he's the one causing things bad to happen many times. And many times it's not even the devil just trying to be like evil devil, pitchfork devil. It's just our world is full of chaos. And your parents made a decision and the government made a decision and 30 years ago, someone else made a decision and affects your life today. Those things are not from God. They aren't. And so if we find ourselves saying, God, you caused this to happen, man, if it's stealing your life, if it's destroying your life, if it's killing your life, the Bible says that's from the evil one. That's from the devil. That's from uh, darkness. That's not from God. And we know that our struggle is not in flesh and blood, but of powers and rulers and, and all these things of the unseen world. We have to remember that sometimes we're upset because we think God did something to us, but he never did. The enemy did. And so uh, many times it's not us forgiving God, it's us apologizing to God for thinking that he caused all these things to happen. But either way, we humans are full of these types of things, aren't we? We're full of big challenges and big disappointments and big things that went wrong. But learning to walk and grow through them and taking our time and learning to forgive is not a moment's a healing. 
It's a lifetime walk with God. It's a moment where you work with someone to talk through what's going on, where you invite the Holy Spirit to speak to you to help you through things. It can't be a one-and-done situation. So learning to forgive, even though it is incredibly difficult, is something that we are charged to do. And when we find that forgiveness, people, when we find that forgiveness, we are freed. We are freed. We are freed from ourselves. We are freed from others. We are freed from all of these ways of thinking. This is why the church should feel like freedom. The church should feel like freedom because when you walk into this room, you should feel as though, one, God forgave you of this massive debt. And two, you're becoming free in your own mind and thinking and the way you live to learn to forgive all the others in your life that have caused you harm, forgiving yourself and growing to a place where you walk. Uh, instead of walking on like tacks, you're walking uh, with light feet. Everything feels lighter, right? Why? Because you are a forgiver. One who has been forgived much, forgives much. One who has been freed, helps free which is so great that we get to walk in that. And so I want to read this scripture to you today. And I'm going to read it. Alyssa, you can come on up. Um, this, is a, this is a great scripture. Do you know why uh, George Washington was leading, like why, why he was such a good leader in the Revolutionary War? Uh, people followed him. Like, all types of people followed George Washington. And because of George Washington's leadership, uh, that's is really one of the reasons that we're free from, we're not like the United States of Great Britain today. Like that, that's one of the reasons because of this man, this one man, George Washington. So if you study this, if you study history, you find that George Washington, the reason people followed him was because people believed, listen, this is weird. Uh, people believed that he was the richest man in America. He wasn't, he wasn't. He wasn't even top 10, uh, but, he know, but he had a bunch of land because he married into Martha, like she had land. But, so he was affluent, but people who would come, all types of people would come and, and join the army with, and they wouldn't have anything they, they had right. Uh, disease was the biggest killer of the Revolutionary War. It wasn't musket balls, but George Washington never got sick. And people believed that if George Washington in all of his richness would give up everything, to lead, would give up all this land to fight, then they could give up their lives to fight too. If George Washington would give up all of the, the, the niceties of life, the, thinking that he was the richest man, they give up all of this to fight the British, they would fight too. That, that, that type of thinking doesn't really work today, right? But back then it did. And if God would lay down everything he has for you, he would give up everything for you. Man, how will we follow him? God on the cross dies for his human humanity that he makes. And what does he do on the cross? What does he do? Well, he suffers, he is hurt. Who hurts him? People, well, the centurions with their, their, you know, all these people. And what does he talk about the most when he's on the cross? He says he forgives them. I forgive, they forgot, Father, forgive them for they know not what they do. Forgiveness is one of the key ethics to Christianity. 
It's one of the defining principles that change, that's different from you and the people of this world. And what's interesting is it doesn't affect the people of this world, it affects you. And we must learn to not just drink poison, hoping that all these people would die. We have to learn how to handle that unforgiveness. Let's read this scripture. It's Psalm 103, eight through 17. This is a powerful scripture before Jesus was around uh, on, as a human, but it refers to him, it says this. The Lord is compassionate and merciful, slow to get angry and filled with unfailing love. He will not constantly accuse us nor remain angry forever. He does not punish us for all our sins. He does not deal harshly with us as we deserve. For his unfailing love towards those who fear him as, is as great as the height of the heavens above the earth. He has removed our sins as far from us is, as the east is from the west. How far is the east from the west? The Lord is like a father to his children, tender and compassionate to those who fear him. I love scripture because it outlines who God is, right? And a lot of times we find ourselves in positions where we're like, some of us are like, God, you're angry with me. God, you don't love me. God, you are an angry, like, like we view God in all these different ways. And then scripture says, no, 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 listen, he is slow to anger. He's compassionate towards you. He's like a father towards you. He doesn't even see your sin anymore. It's as far as the East is from the West, right? And a lot of times we just think all these things, but the scriptures say, no, 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 you're thinking wrong because God is desperate for you. God desperately loves you. And he consistently forgives you because we consistently hurt others and hurt him, right? And so it is our charge to forgive others, just like God forgave us. Would you stand with me today? Where is freedom found? Freedom is found in forgiveness. Freedom is found in forgiveness. I talk about in the podcast that some of the greatest uh, pieces of forgiveness that I've dealt with have to do with churches and pastors who have hurt me, right? And I have to forgive them. Maybe that's you today. Maybe there's been a church or a pastor that's hurt you. And maybe you need, you've been drinking poison for a while. You need to forgive them. And maybe your situation has to do with another person that was close to you, like a spouse or someone who was in your life. Maybe it's time to forgive them. When I struggle with unforgiveness, I was, I was confused why the other person isn't like struggling. <laughs> you know, why am I the only one struggling here? And so uh, maybe, maybe we find freedom here at Freeway Church. Maybe we find freedom in our lives. Where does freedom come from? It comes from forgiveness. Maybe we walk in forgiveness in all the areas of our life, knowing that God, the ultimate forgiver, has forgiven us of all of everything in our life.